Hello and welcome to the Destiny Church Podcast. We pray that as you listen to this message, it helps you grow closer to God and inspires you to live like Jesus. Thanks for listening. Here's the message. Last week, we started a brand new series called Kingdom Secrets. Did last week help anybody? Come on, did anybody chew on the content of last week's message? I'm telling you, man, I've been thinking about it all week. And, uh, you know, that's the beautiful thing about preaching these things is a lot of time I feel like if no one else is getting ministered to, I'm getting ministered to. Amen. So uh, if you didn't get to hear that, go back, listen on the podcast so you can get all caught up and, and know where we're at. But just to refresh your head and refresh your hearts, we discovered that the kingdom of God is being established on earth. And this is what we see in the New Testament. Uh, Jesus comes, he's establishing the kingdom of heaven. But to the Jews of the day, it looks nothing like they thought it would. Everything they thought it would be, everything the messianic king would look like, it's just, it's almost like it's the opposite. They thought their savior was going to be some powerful political figure. And they come to find out it's a poor prophet from Nazareth. They, they even go as far to say, does anything good come from Nazareth? And I even made the claim last week that Jesus' primary mission while he was on earth was to establish the kingdom of God. Because if, as you read through the Gospels, you'll see 126 times Jesus mentions the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God. And we slowly but surely discover that Jesus is the king. Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Savior of the world. He is the Word made flesh. Yet we know that any claims that Jesus is God or that Jesus is the King is going to be enough to get him killed, and eventually it's those claims that will get him killed, crucified. So we discovered last week part of what Jesus is doing while he establishes his, the kingdom of heaven on earth, he is releasing the message of the kingdom bit by bit. And how does he do that? Parables, right? That's part of his tool. It's, it's part of what he does. There's, it's interesting. There's a conversation that he has with his disciples, and his disciples are discovering who he is. He's discipling them. He's teaching them the things of the kingdom. And then in Matthew, Matthew 13, <clears throat> excuse me, Jesus pushes off on a boat. He's out in the water, he's, and he's teaching, and he's using parables, which are earthly stories that have heavenly principles embedded within them. And after uh, he's teaching, the disciples, they came and asked him in Matthew 13, verse 10, his disciples came and asked him, why do you use parables when you talk to the people? Why do you do that, Jesus? Why don't you just keep it plain? Why don't you just keep it simple? Why do you make it like, we, like a filter we got to sort through? And Jesus' response, he says, you are permitted to understand the secrets. Everyone say secrets. The secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but others are not. Here's what we find out about parables. If, if Jesus releases the message of the kingdom all at once, he'll probably be killed on spot. Yet Jesus is setting up the foundation on which his church is going to be built. Right, So as he releases the message of the kingdom, he releases it bit by bit. So why he uses parables is because they do two things. They conceal the message of the kingdom, but for those with eyes to see and ears to hear, they reveal the message of the kingdom. Amen? So what we find out is as we, as we observe these parables, as we go back and look at these parables, hindsight's twenty twenty. Amen? We got the word. We, we can study. We can go back and, and glean from them 
all that they're worth. And, and if we're going to be a company of kingdom people, we got to figure out what are the secrets of the kingdom. Amen? So that's what we're doing this week. All right, I'm going to pray. And then uh, last week's message was titled, The Secret of the Soil and the Seed. This week's message is titled, The Secret of What Was Sold. The Secret of What Was Sold. None of y'all are taking notes, and you need to, Okay. I'm going to pray. Father, we love you so much. We are so grateful to be in your house. I'm honored. I'm privileged to have the opportunity to communicate your word and teach your word. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower me to teach it uh, rightly. Father, I pray over every heart that's in the room that you would till the soil of our heart. Help it to be good soil to receive the seed of your word. We don't want to just hear your word. We want to apply it to our lives. Let it take root grow to produce fruit in our lives. We want to be transformed. We, we want to live and operate as a company of kingdom people uh, with you as our king. Father, we love you. Would you do that? And I pray this church would continue to foster kids in Jesus' name. Amen. So pearls are incredibly, incredibly valuable stones. In fact, natural pearls uh, you know, that are, that are made in oysters are considered one of the world's rarest jewels. Did anybody know that? Now you know, they're actually considered a, a stone, a gemstone, which I thought was interesting too. I did a whole lot of studying on pearls this week, so I'm going to flap my knowledge all over you. Uh, <laughs> back in the day, right before Jesus inhabited the earth, there was um, an emperor named Julius Caesar, and he was a Roman emperor. And he actually made it illegal for anyone of a lower class to wear pearls as jewelry because pearls were a statement of wealth, of prestige, of high class. So it was if you didn't fall into a certain social class, you weren't even allowed to wear them. Pearls in ancient Rome, they're a symbol of wealth and prestige. So maybe you're wondering, you know, what makes these pearls so desirable? What makes them so valuable? And much of the answer to that question is actually found in how a pearl's made. Because that's what's so interesting, and that's what makes them so rare. So I partnered with my friends at National Geographic in a completely legal way. <laughs> For those on the podcast, they can't see me. I want, I want you to check out this video, then I'll be right back. Few places on earth remain as untouched as Australia's northwest. This coastline is one of the last pristine places remaining on our planet. Between Broome and Darwin, the coast is as wild today as it was when Europeans settled the continent over 200 years ago. Thousands of miles of uninhabited wilderness where the ocean teems with life. Some we know, and others whose secrets are hidden in the deep. Like this creature, Australia's South Sea Pearl Oyster, also known as the Silver-Lipped Oyster. Although it's not much to look at on the outside, on the inside, it has the ability to produce one of the most valuable gems known to mankind. 
Any mollusk that produces a shell can produce a pearl. That includes abalone, marine snails, clams, mussels, and oysters. The South Sea pearl oyster that lives here produces the cream of the crop. It's a solitary creature that can grow to around one foot, living for up to 40 years. As a result, the pearls it creates are the largest, most lustrous of all. In recent years, a single Australian South Sea pearl was sold for over $1.5 million. The notion that a pearl always forms when a grain of sand enters the creature is a myth. Another possibility is that some tiny organism invades the creature and disrupts the cells in the mantle. Then, something miraculous happens. The oyster begins to secrete a smooth crystalline substance known as nacre. Nacre, or mother of pearl, is made of the same material that forms the inside of the shell. This combination of calcium carbonate and protein is both lighter and stronger than concrete. It takes several years for thousands of layers of nacre to build up and create a smooth, iridescent gem. But it's a rare event. A pearl of value is found in less than one in 10,000 wild pearl oysters. I could have told you all that. I just felt like they did it better. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> one in every 10,000 oysters actually contains an all-natural pearl. Now, today they have some, uh, it's not that they're artificial pearls, but they're called culture pearls. And a guy in the late 1800s, he figured out how to get the animals to produce them more quickly. But these all-natural pearls uh, in, in, in the wild, every one in 10,000 oysters has one. They're incredibly rare. They're incredibly valuable. And they have been for almost all of our recorded history. And as I was uh, studying about how the pearl was made, I was amazed to discover that it's actually an irritant of some kind that enters into the oyster, and then the oyster clothes that irritant, regardless of what it is. Maybe it's a piece of food. Maybe it's a piece of shell that broke off. Maybe it's a little fish turd. I don't know. You know, something, something gets in to the oyster's mouth. And then what the oyster does, it secretes a... Um, uh, 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 I don't even really know what it's called, some sort of concoction of aragonite and conchillion, okay? Y'all can tell I did my research. I know you're impressed. Eventually, what it ends up making, it ends up clothing the irritant. It ends up clothing the debris in nacre. So a pearl is made of a substance called nacre, and that's what makes it valuable. Now, I just wanted to say all that to impress you. Simply put, though, the, the, the irritant, whatever enters the pearl, it's covered in something nice and shiny and, and valuable, okay? So I thought that was pretty intriguing, and I know you did too. All right, Pastor Mark, we get it. You're talking about a pearl. What's the deal with a pearl? Where are we going with the pearl? Well, don't get frustrated with me, because Pastor Mark isn't the only one who talked about pearls. Jesus talked about pearls too. Did you know that? Well, let's look. Matthew 13. In the same chapter we were in last week, it's just another parable he told while he was out on the water. This is what he said. Matthew 13, verse 46 is where we'll start. Again, 
The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. Verse 46, when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. And that's it. That's our parable. You know, so last week when, when we uh, uh, approached the parable, we, we, we identified, okay, there's pieces to this parable. There's puzzle pieces to this parable. So we got to start to put the pieces together to process what the parable means. We, we know there's a merchant. He's actively searching for the pearls. He discovers one of great value, sells everything he owns to buy it. Jesus very plainly says, this is what the kingdom of heaven is like. So last Sunday, we get done with church, and man, I just thought last Sunday was an incredible day. I'm so grateful for what the Lord's doing in this house and in this community, and I was all fired up Sunday and Monday and Tuesday all the, all the way to today. I'm, it, the fire hasn't gone away. We get home. I know my parents are up in St. Louis. They're watching my little nephew, baby Georgie. I call him Georgiani. He's really cute. Uh, he's really cute. And we're thinking, man, we could. I hadn't seen him in a minute, and... Uh, they got the St. Louis Zoo, which is free. We could have some family fun. We get home from church. We're like, maybe we could drive up to St. Louis and, uh, you know, spend some time with our parents and, and baby Georgie and then wake up, go to the zoo, get home in time to be home Monday night. <clears throat> and we decide, let's do it. So we take up spontaneous trip to St. Louis last Sunday. We're driving up and, you know, we're about halfway there. We saw a billboard for some bubble tea. Uh, your boy loves boba. Okay, so we stopped. I get a brown sugar milk tea with extra black boba, okay? Anybody like boba in the room? I'm like, y'all can have your pearls. Give me some black boba, and I'm good. Amen? So we stop. <laughs> for real. So we stop, and I, and I, uh, I get my, uh, my black boba. Abigail actually didn't like the drink she got, but I love mine. I'm, I'm sipping, on my, sipping on my brown sugar milk tea with extra black boba. Drank every bit of it and felt bougie while I was doing it. It was good. <laughs> Only problem is, I drank my tea at like 6.30 at night, and I forgot that they had caffeine, so I'm laying in bed. It's time to go to sleep, and I'm wired. I'm like, I can't fall asleep. I'm just laying there wide awake. The whole house is sleeping. Even baby Georgie's sleeping. I'm like, how did this happen? How is it just me? But at this point, I'm still kind of thinking on Sunday, and I, and I still know I got a parable to choose for the following week, and I'm thinking, man, which one do I want to do? I can't, I can't sleep. I'm laying there and just kind of thinking. I'm like, hmm, should I start working on that? Simultaneously, I get a, a Facebook message from Shanda, who comes to our church. She says, hey, Pastor Mark, I just need to tell you, feel like the Holy Spirit's prompting me. You need to quit apologizing for going long, and you just need to preach the word, because I'm here for it. And I'm like, well, Okay, so now, now I can't sleep. Now I'm fired up. And I just said, Lord, I'm going to just start working on this next parable. I'm going to just start putting the message together. So I get out my phone and start kind of, you know, I'm looking through different parables and I'm putting together this sloppy outline on my phone. But the spirit of the Lord just starts downloading on my heart, revealing what I'm supposed to communicate. I'm like, oh, this is good. Like, I can't sleep now. And I'm just going through, putting it together. And uh, he's just re revealing it. And I come upon this parable of the pearl. And I'm like, that's it. I know that's it. Lord confirms it in my heart. Continue writing. And, uh, you know, as I go through it, upon reading it, I, if you're like me, you figured it out real quick. Do you feel like you figured it out quick? Okay. We can be, maybe. All right. Let's say this. Write this in your notes. Mike's like, I got it. <laughs> He's like, it ain't that hard. 
we're the merchant. Yeah, I'm the merchant. The pearl is the person of Jesus, or the pearl is the kingdom of heaven, okay? See, some of y'all are like, yeah, yeah, that's what I, exactly, that's what I thought. I, I get it now. Matthew 13, 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. Amplified version says, in search of choice pearls. Here's what I know to be true based on what I continuously see throughout the text, throughout scripture in full. We often find what we're looking for. Yeah, we we find what we're looking for. Proverbs uh, testifies to this. Proverbs 11.27 says, if you search for good, you'll find favor. But if you search for evil, it'll find you. You'll find what you're looking for. So when we set our hearts on Jesus, when we fix our attention and our affection on him, you better believe you'll find him. You find what you're looking for. It was Jesus who said this in his Sermon on the Mount. Seek first the kingdom of God. Live righteously, and all these things will be added. Jesus says, you seek me, I'll give you everything you need. You seek me, you'll find me. Psalm 105.4, search for the Lord and for his strength, continuously seeking. Seek him. Now, I'm breaking my rule in sharing all these verses without any context, but I just wanted to exaggerate that the scriptures continually exhort the believer and exhort the believer, you search for God. He wants to be sought. He wants to be found. Uh, Philippians, this isn't uh, one of the scriptures, but Philippians 29.11, we all love 29.11, but if you read 12, it says, you'll, you'll find me when you search for me with your whole heart. He wants to be sought. The scriptures teach us this. I shared this in rally last week, but in Acts chapter 6, the church is booming. The apostles are, um, you know, they're just ministering in the power of the Spirit. People are getting saved. People are getting filled with the Holy Spirit. People are being healed. There's miracles breaking out, and the community is just multiplying. There's thousands of believers now, and they started a wheel-fed program. They started feeding widows. And so there's Greek widows and there's Hebrew widows. And then they're arguing because they're like, you're giving more to the Hebrew widows. They're like, no, no, we're not. And there's all this drama. They're just trying to feed people. Come on, you ever try to do something good and just started causing problems? Welcome to ministry. Amen. (laughs) I'm just glad they were dealing with it too. You know, but here they are. They're, they're young leaders. They're new leaders. And as young leaders, the, the, the mistake we always make is we try to do everything our own. We, we give no credit to the power of delegation. So they finally come to a place where they're like, we need to delegate this ministry because it's taking up all our time, all our physical effort, all our emotional effort. And God's called us to teach the word. So we, if we're going to be all that we've called to be, if we're going to continue to grow, they realize we can't do everything. Everything. So they find, find seven guys who are full of wisdom, full of the spirit. They delegate the ministry. But it says this. This is the primary reason as to why they delegated the ministry. It says, we will give them this responsibility so that we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. What came first? I, I'm blown away reading this passage in my own personal time last week thinking, Wow, these apostles prioritized prayer over feeding widows. Like you would think that feeding widows is a pretty valuable, significant thing. Yet we, we, we need to delegate 
so we can spend more time in prayer and teaching the word, but prayer first. Because we know we could never teach the word without spending time with him. Here's what I believe. A lot of us in the church, we're really good at doing for God. We need to grow in being with God. Like, don't go mother those kids and you, you don't spend any time in prayer. Don't, don't, go, don't go walk into the office, into the office leading people when you, when you haven't spent any time in his presence. Right? Don't go leading worship when you haven't been in here by yourself, spending time with the Lord. Don't, don't go have that life group in your living room when you haven't been on your knees alone in that living room seeking him. We're really good at doing for God, but God wants to be sought. You know what? I, I, would, say, I, I would say this. God wants you more than your work. He wants you more than your work. He doesn't need your work. He loves it. Our work is worship. He, he blesses it. He desires it. But don't go doing for without being with. He wants you more than anything. Amen? He wants you. And this is the lesson I learned from the apostles. Above all else, they knew we have to spend time with God to more effectively do what we're going to do. I, I was encouraged. I was challenged. What are they experiencing in prayer where they have to block off time? They cannot miss it. It is imperative and essential to their lives, to them as leaders. What are they encountering in their time of prayer where they got to delegate things away so they, they got to make sure that they have more time to do it? God wants to be sought. That's what it looks like to seek him, right? So then the second part of the verse um, you know, you know and, and I think, again, what, what the apostles recognize is his presence, Jesus, the spirit, the, 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 the presence of God, it, it, Jesus is the pearl. He's the pearl. They recognize the person of Jesus and the presence of Jesus is the, is the pearl of their life. And when you receive the revelation of the beauty and the value of him, everything has to take the back seat to that. So I got to delegate some things. To, to make sure I'm with him, right? Anything that hinders us from experiencing the fullness of him, it has to go and we want it to go because we recognize how he's essential, how his presence is necessary. It's imperative. And then we see this in verse 46. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought that pearl, right? I've told you this so many times, but when I was really, uh, you know, you guys, a lot of y'all know my story. And when I first really started genuinely, authentically following Jesus, like it wasn't just a weekend thing for me anymore. It wasn't just something I put in my Instagram bio. Like when I started day to day pursuing God, seeking God, started ridding anything that, that didn't uh, produce spiritual fruit, uh, anything that would, would create barriers, I just started trying to lay it down. And, 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 and it became this mission of how holy can I live? How much like Jesus can I be because as I read the scriptures, I, I promise you what you'll find out is, is how we live our life will directly affect how we counter and experience God. It will. It will. And if he draws near to me when I draw near to him, I can't draw near to him and other things in the world at the same time. So I, I, I think back to that time and even while I was putting this together, I was continuously reminded of how wonderful 
the Lord really is, how Jesus really is the great pearl, how, G- how, how much value there is on Jesus in, in my whole life. He's done for me what no one else could do for me. And I don't ever want to forget the fact that at the end of this, this life, all of us will. But for me, I'm going to have to stand before the throne. But they're going to say, Mark Stephen Griffith Jr., yeah, that name checks out. He's good because of Jesus. My name will be in the book of life because of Jesus. Jesus did that for me. But honestly, even simpler than that, when I, when I walk in my front door coming home from work, and I got like two little minions running up, Daddy! And I, and I get to scoop them up, and I get to experience you know, a loving relationship, I experience his goodness in those moments. I'm interacting. I understand I'm interacting with his creation, and he's put me over it to steward it. I'm experiencing God in these everyday interactions. When I I open up my cabinets and my cabinets are full of food, I feel gratitude in my heart because the Lord has provided everything I've needed and my family has needed. I see him in that. He's, he's valuable. He's the most valuable thing. When I think about what Jesus has done in me and what he's done through me, I can't help but fall more in love with who he is because he's given me purpose and he's given me identity. He's given me everything. Everything. For real. It's like I'm floating in a sea of his grace every single day, right? Just, just floating in, in overwhelmed by his goodness and by his provision. And because of that, yeah, I'll sell all I own for the fullness of his love, for the fullness of him. He is the pearl. Everything will take the backseat to him. And will I have moments of distraction? Yes. Will I have moments of selfish ambition? Yes. Will I have moments of greed? Yes. But I will live my life giving everything for the one who gave me everything in return. And that trade ain't equal. Like we mentioned last week, like when Christ becomes Lord, when, 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 when he becomes Lord, he becomes the boss. He becomes my decision maker. So, Father, Lord, what you call good, I believe is good. What you call evil, I believe is evil. Where you tell me to go, I'll go. Where you tell me to leave, I'll leave. What you tell me to pick up, I'll pick up. What you tell me to put down, I'll put down. I'm yours. You're the boss. You're Lord. And practically, I think that's what it looks like. To be the merchant who not only looks for the pearl, but finds the pearl and stewards it well. Y'all see that? Yeah, that's the way that I read it. And then the Spirit keeps whispering to my heart. Y'all know that parables are multidimensional, right? So I 100% think that's what the parable means and that's part of it. But I also heard the Lord whisper to my heart while I'm studying, laying in this bed, can't sleep, got boba tea in me. But I want you to tell him this. I'm the merchant. You're the pearl. I'm like, what? Yeah, I'm the merchant. You're, you're the pearl. And all of a sudden, I find myself in this, in this silent debate with the Lord. I'm like, Lord, you know who I am and I know the people I lead and they ain't perfect either 
I'm like, what do you mean we're the pearl? What do you mean I'm the pearl? I'm sitting there thumbing through me. I'm just thinking about me. Thumbing through my own brokenness, my own shortcomings, my own gossip, my own lust, my own selfishness, my own apathy. I'm like, look, Lord, how could I be the pearl? You know me. I know me. You know me. And this is one of my honest thoughts. Y'all know I love to give a punch and a hug every week, right? We want to be full of grace here at Destiny Truth, full of grace, full of truth. And I honestly said to the Lord, to tell them they're the pearl, that's a little gracey. That's a little grace heavy. And let's be honest, if some of y'all are sitting in the room thinking that you're his pearl, that's laughable to you. You're like me. You're like, no, no, no. I know who I am. I, I know what my life looks like. Matter of fact, I cussed my kids getting them in the car just to get to church on time today. That's where I'm at. And for some of you, it's deeper than that. You've never felt good enough never felt worthy man pe- people don't even know how deep your brokenness is it's been a roadblock between you and God for a long time feelings of inadequacy I don't I don't want to I always mess up I'm worthless I'm, but he placed it in my heart to tell you I'm the merchant you're the pearl and in the midst of questioning God silently debating with God the spirit nudges me look up how it's made look up how it's made look up how the pearl's made Nat Geo here I come y'all remember the process the irritant the bacteria the thing that was no good the thing that was of no value just floating around lost just happened to end up in the right place the spirit whispered to my heart it's what you're covered with that makes you the pearl it's not you it's what you're covered with you don't get discovered unless you're covered come on somebody shout he covered me What could wash away my sin? And what could make me whole again? Mark, I want you to tell them I'm the merchant and you're the pearl. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant on the lookout for choice pearls. And when he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and bought it. I'm like, Lord, you got to show me. you got to show me in your word. Come on, y'all remember the title of the message? The secret is in what was sold. He sold everything. When he discovered a pearl of great value, he sold everything he owned and he bought it. Sounds a whole lot like Corinthians to me. For God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. First Peter tells us. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. 
And it wasn't paid with gold or silver which lose their value. It was with the precious blood of Christ, the spotless Lamb of God, paid everything for you. You know, I've shared this thought, but worth is found, value is found in what someone's willing to pay for it. And God saw the most valuable thing to ever exist. The most valuable thing. That was the price for your head. So don't tell me you're not valuable. The secret isn't found in how hard you search. It's in what the one searching sold. In the same way the merchant gave everything he had to purchase the pearl, the father gave his one and only precious son to purchase you. He's a loving father. But I think a lot of us as believers, we struggle to receive this because it's uncomfortable. And and I don't think the enemy wants us to receive and believe that truth. He doesn't want you to come into agreement. Uh, And and, and it's seen in my wrestle with the Lord. What do you mean I'm the pearl? No, I'm not. You're the pearl. What do you mean? And and I think that's that's how the enemy wants us to feel. He doesn't want you to believe you can be the pearl. He wants us to stay stuck in old mindsets that were no good, that were stuck in our brokenness, that were trash, that were bacteria, that were just a little piece of the shell, that were worthless in the sight of God. He wants us to stay trapped in the kingdom of darkness, not the kingdom of God. But come on, today I came to serve notice to the devil. I'm a part of a new kingdom. I got a new inheritance. I got a new daddy. I got a new nature. I got a new spirit. I got new gifts. I got a new anointing. I am the pearl devil. Watch what God does in an idiot like me. Watch what God does in an irritant like me. Watch what God does in a little piece of food like me. He's going to make me whole. He's going to make me new. I'm covered. Somebody say, I'm covered. I'm covered. Colossians 1. Hold on, Ben. Don't take off without me now. (laughs) Colossians 1. We also pray. This is Paul praying. We read this. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so that you will have the endurance and patience you need. Paul's praying for the church. His his glorious power be be filled with joy always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom. There's been a transfer, y'all. We once were a part of another kingdom, but here's a kingdom secret. You belong to a new kingdom. Amen? Come on, we have a new identity, and we have a new name, and we have a new nature, and we have a new right. transferred us in the kingdom of of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sin. Ephesians 5.8 says, for you once were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of the light. Here's here's what I love. Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus. You're now people of light. So live in the light. It sounds like to me, the church needed to be reminded who they are. It sounds to me like he needed to remind the church, hey, 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 no, 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 you're a king, you're you're a child of the light now. 
No, no, no. So you don't need to feel worthless. You don't need to feel like you're no good. You don't need to feel like you're disqualified. You got a new nature. I'm tethering your spirit to something new. And I think that he transfers us. He transfers our kingdom. Yet our spirit stays tethered to some of the old. I think we see this in the scriptures. I read this last week. I'm coming to a close here. Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. This is a prophetic text about Jesus, about what he's going to do for the believers. So so this is what Jesus is going to do for you and me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release the darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide to those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, They will be called oaks of righteousness. But check this out. He says, the oil of joy instead of mourning. Then he says, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. He says, I'm going to set your spirit free from some things that have kept you bound. I'm going to cut some ties with some things that you were once linked up with, you were once tethered to. Those are spirits from the kingdom of darkness. Those are from my spirit. Those are from me. I'm going to give you a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his his splendor. And again, I'm, I'm on my phone laying down. And the Lord's like, the Lord's like, part of what people have stayed, their spirit has stayed tethered to things that I've set them free from is because they will not believe they are the pearl and they will not come into agreement with how I see them. And and that's where we're going to find our freedom from in Him. So guess what? Today, any spirit of perversion, He wants to break it off. Any spirit of heaviness, He wants to break it off and replace it with something new. Any spirit of bondage, He wants to break it off. Any spirit of fear, no more. No more. I got a new nature. I'm covered. I'm covered in something else. He came to set the captives free. He's covered you. You no longer belong to darkness. He purchased you out of it. It's time to start believing. It's time to start walking with purpose and power with the mind of Christ. Come on, somebody. I'm covered. Somebody stand up and shout, I'm covered. Come on. The old is gone. The new is here. I know who I am. No more despair. No more heaviness. I got the fruit of peace. I got the fruit of love. I got the fruit of joy. I'm his pearl. I've been discovered because I'm covered. I'm covered. I'm covered. And we're going to believe what he says about us. We're going to believe it. Amen? Come on, are y'all ready to praise? Father, we fix our eyes on you. Lord, we come into agreement with the fact that we're yours, that we've been made new. 
If we haven't seen ourselves rightly in your eyes, fix our mind. Give us the mind of Christ. You purchase us. We've been bought with a high price. We've been transferred out of one kingdom into the next one. And God, we proclaim we're yours. We tether our spirit with yours. Join your spirit with us. Make us new. Anything that's not of you, any spirit that's not of you, we break it off in the name of Jesus right now. Thank you for listening to today's message. If you'd like to learn more about Destiny Church, how to get connected, or give online, visit destinychurch.me. Have a great week.